Would you turn with me in God's word to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs 3 is found on page 671 of your pew Bibles. Uh, Lord willing, we will look in the next few weeks at chapter 3 and 4 of Proverbs as we take a, a, a little break and, and look at wisdom literature as we look at what God's will is for us. Tied into as well to this new year that we approach and are in now. Looking at Proverbs 3, before we read from verses 13 to 20, let's ask God's blessing. Father, in your word we see the words of life, and we come before it now, and we pray, give to us humility, and give to us strength. We know that our flesh is weak, and our mind wanders. We know that we are dulled of our heart, and, and thick-necked, and often will not see our own errors, or will not see where we need growth. And even we will miss the very hope of the gospel present, and we pray, Lord, let us see that here, that you would open our hearts, you would open our minds, and we would be able to catch, even if it's a passing glimpse, a, a glimpse of you in your word. We confess that that is the, the greatest and truest treasure that we could receive, is to see you and to see your glory. Reveal that to us this evening, we pray in your name. Amen. Proverbs three thirteen through 20. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding he established the heavens. By his knowledge the deeps broke open, and the clouds dropped down the dew. We will pause our reading there. We will continue that up, Lord willing, next Sunday and focus on verses 13 through 20. Though this is uh, technically not a New Year's Day, we are already a week into 2024, I wanted to, to recognize the time and think that it is appropriate to recognize the passings of seasons and years from the vantage point of our service to God. And even that it's, it's an appropriate discipline that we would at these events, the Lord made the, the seasons and, and to, to govern our times, that we would reflect, that we would reflect upon them, not only the times past, but as well the year ahead. And think, what is our pursuit in our life? And it's, it's fitting that we would ask that question on a, a New Year's service as you approach a new year. What is... What is the appropriate response? What do we look for in our walk to God as we number our years, brief though may, they may be, what are we called to do? And somewhat is uh, what we will see in schools. When I was in Bible college and seminary, it was the, the typical practice to begin a semester with the president of the institution, beginning with a chapel service that would sort of give us a, a topic to focus on in that year and orient and direct attention to, to what we would pursue. 
Those would be often accompanied, too, by a charge, a charge that would be given to the student body. And I want to sort of mimic that as well here today and take that from Proverbs chapter 3. We are dropped into Proverbs 3 here in the the section where the father and lady wisdom are instructing the the young man, the the young boy, really, of Proverbs and how he is to grow, what he's supposed to set his sights on, how he's to learn. And so if I could give a charge for us, not only for 2024, but beyond, it would be this. People of God, pursue happiness in 2024. Pursue happiness in 2024. Now, that statement needs to be unpacked. It needs to be explained. But even phrasing it that way, I hope, would catch our attention. We're we're not always expecting that. Pursue happiness? Should we really be pursuing happiness in the year and years ahead? And God's word and Proverbs 3 would tell us absolutely so, understanding what that happiness is in and to whom in which we pursue it. And that is appropriate that we would do so. You see, to properly pursue happiness is what the father of Proverbs, what Solomon is proclaiming even in his instruction to his kids and to the, the, the instruction of Lady Wisdom to the people of God. It is to pursue a blessed life, to pursue blessing as an appropriate avenue for our, our sights, to set our sights on that. So with that charge before us, I give us this theme which explains a bit more how we, how we carry out that charge. And that's to be enticed by the beauty of wisdom. To be enticed by the beauty of wisdom by knowing its happiness and knowing its God. Be enticed by the beauty of wisdom by knowing its happiness and its God. We're going to look at that tonight in two points. The first is the beatitude of wisdom in verses 13 to 18. The beatitude of wisdom in verses 13 to 18. And then more briefly, we're going to look at the God of wisdom in verses 19 and 20 as we see how he utilizes that wisdom. But what is a beatitude of wisdom? We're familiar with that term beatitude from the New Testament, the beatitudes. Blessed are the poor, blessed are the peacemakers. That that statement we understand. But how are we to, to see that? How are we to see even our happiness in that? And I want to say as I begin, I'm greatly indebted for what I'm going to say in this in these verses, these chapters from Proverbs, through a series of sermons by Reverend David P. Murray and what he had preached on, and I'm taking a lot from him. And as we look at this call of beatitude, this call of blessed as it begins our text, how are we to understand it? A beatitude is that calling down of a blessing on a certain person or a certain class of people. Another way we could translate it is to say happy are. Happy are those who do blank. Happy are those who believe this thing and pursue this. But we have to distinguish, don't we, what is the difference between happiness and blessedness? I want to give that first point you see in your outline in your handout, that, that happiness is not a dirty word. Happiness is not a dirty word, truly, and when rightly understood. Verse 13 begins, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. That beatitude form is is pronouncing that blessing. Now, we sometimes differentiate between blessedness and happiness. 
and it's an appropriate distinction. Blessedness, we associate more with the objective reality that you are a blessed person. And we sort of, and rightly, can differentiate that from the emotions and feelings of blessedness. For example, Job could be called a blessed man. You could say blessed is Job, but certainly Job was not happy. There is a, a distinguishing there. It's, it's true objectively, he is blessed because of his relationship with God, his fellowship with him. He's in a blessed state, though he may not feel happy. And that's the difference as well with happiness. Happiness might mean you are feeling great, but not that you're necessarily objectively blessed. There are many who can experience times of happiness, though they would not be considered, biblically speaking, blessed. So it, it is right to differentiate the two, but what about in this text? As it begins, and you're, you're determining, how do you translate that? How do you understand it? Is it blessed are, the one, is the one who finds wisdom, or is it happy is the one who finds wisdom? Well, to look at the context to help provide an answer, you can look at verse 12 that preceded our text, the reading of our text. It talks about the delights that we see at the disciplining hand of God. You can also look at verse 17 in our text. It describes wisdom's ways as, as pleasantness and paths of peace. And so when you're asking that question, well, which is it? Is it objective blessedness or is it personal happiness? I would say in this text, the two can't be fully distinguished. There is an objective reality of being blessed by pursuing wisdom and finding it. You will and are ought to be objectively blessed. But as well, what we, we will see is that you will be happy as well if we rightly understand what that means. There is a happiness, there is a delight as we see it in verse 12. There's pleasantness and peace, as verse 17 will say. There is happiness to be found in pursuing wisdom, and rightly so. Happiness is not a wrong desire, and we almost think it could be. That's why I phrase it that way. Happiness is not a dirty word. Now, the reason we think it could be is because so often our happiness is pursued in wrong avenues. So, so often our pursuit of happiness, we take down sinful paths. We also can see very easily that we create happiness as an idol. It becomes the God we serve. And so we can tend to almost overreact and then say, no, happiness is bad. You're not pursuing happiness, you're pursuing God. As if that's a true and right distinction. Like, choose God, but don't choose your happiness. I would put before you that that's, that's not a right way of thinking about it. That's not the correct way of understanding it. It's correctly understood to say, pursue your happiness in God. And that's what's right. That's what's blessed. We're seeking that happiness. There are those two sides. That one side can overemphasize that happiness and make it an idol. But there's that opposite reaction and that extreme that, that almost says you shouldn't be happy. It almost says that it's a weaker faith that seeks its own happiness. That the correct path, though, is, is through the middle there. I'm not quite sure it's even possible to live and not pursue happiness. We will pursue our happiness. There's no way around that. The question is, is where are we pursuing it? And what are we placing our happiness? What's our delight? See, that's the difference Others have actually pointed out how even our catechism, even the Heidelberg Catechism, reflects this idea of putting before you the benefits of the gospel and what you gain from it in its instruction for why you serve the Lord as well. 
The Catechism is full of those questions. How does this benefit you? What does believing this mean for you? How does it produce a gain for you? And that's what Proverbs is saying. You see, what Proverbs 3 is doing, what the father of Proverbs 3 and instructing his son is doing, is he's, he's trying to entice his son with this, this beauty. He's saying, look at this wisdom of God. Look at what it can gain for you. Look at the blessedness that you can receive from it. Look at the benefits for you that are found in wisdom in God himself. It's not just an instruction, hey, this is right and just do it because I told you so. It's trying to foster that idea in his son's very life that he would look at wisdom, he'd look at the knowledge of God and see for himself there's a difference here between, between this happiness and between that, between what the world pursues and what God pursues, but there is an appropriate avenue to a wonderful, blessed life if we understand what is truly blessing, what's truly a wonderful life, what's truly happiness. Pursuing happiness is a worthy goal when we pursue it, it only in God. When we are seeking to be fully satisfied in Him, that's what matters. I put it before you this way. God does not want us to say, we're going to pursue you, God, and put our happiness to the side. That's not it, actually. Just as you would not want your friends and loved ones to spend time with you at the expense of their happiness. Oh, that person's my friend. I really love them. They don't really make me happy. I don't really want to go do it, but I'm going to do it anyways. Oh, I love them. See the, the disconnect. You see, what gives God the glory is when we truly recognize that all our happiness is in finding Him. All our happiness is in fellowship with Him. That's, that's true of, of the mar marital bond itself as well. Your hope, your desire, is that, the, that your spouse would find great happiness in you. Not ultimately so, that's only God. But, but in, in our relationships with each other, we, we want their happiness to be in us. Well, on that grand level, God wants his people's happiness to be in him. And in fact, it's an act of mercy on his part to reveal that to us, to, to tell us, hey, True happiness is not in wealth, it's not in the pursuit of lust, it's not in greed, it's not in, in gluttony, it's in me. It's gracious for him to tell us, listen, I want you to be happy. I want you to be blessed. But the only way you'll truly get that is by knowing me. We had read this verse when we went through Lamentations. I want to read it again. Psalm ninety fourteen. Psalm 90.14 shows that God is not opposed to our happiness. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 90, verse 14. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Let me read it again. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. You see, what that text is saying is, is something very similar to this one in Proverbs 3. The, the satisfaction is in what? It's in God. It's in the steadfast love of God, but what does it produce? Satisfaction, rejoicing, gladness, happiness. You see, the two cannot be so separated, therefore, within God, not only do we, we find objective 
blessedness. We also find our attitudes, our emotions, our thoughts, our feelings affected and changed in who God is. Pursuing happiness is the pursuit of God. It's to find that in him, and that's, that's very encouraging to us as his people to know that the will of our Father in heaven, though we may sometimes think it, is not that we would always be disciplined, is not that we would always be pressed under his thumb or in pain, but no, rather, that we would find true happiness and we would find it already on this earth. A blessed life. So happiness is not a dirty word, but in that second sub-point there, but there is only one right path for happiness. But there is only one right path for happiness. The father of Proverbs is instructing his son on how to properly compare the blessings of the world versus the blessings of wisdom. And he's comparing wisdom and the fear of God to other false avenues of happiness. He's trying to, to dissuade him from following these other paths. And in fact, the way of wisdom, then, we see is the way of blessedness. And, and, and would you put that together? We generally associate wisdom and being wise with a head knowledge. You know, you know what to do. You're, you're, you're very skillful. You're, you're able to understand. Isn't that wisdom? Yes, but, but wisdom is far greater than that. A wise man, if I could put it this way, a wise man is a happy man. Understanding truly that type of happiness, a happiness that is satisfied in God. A wise man is a joyful man. A glad man, because why? Because he's set his desires, he's set his, his pursuits on God himself, and in setting his pursuits on God and pursuing wisdom in him, he is satisfied, he's glad all his days. If, if we cultivate attitudes that have understanding but not joy, we're missing something. It's not, it's not infiltrating our hearts. It's not a pursuit that we have taken up and should to pursue our joy and happiness in God himself. The way of wisdom is the way of happiness. Proverbs is enticing us with that wisdom, showing the happiness. The call to be wise and happy is not one that we can ignore. You can't ignore what you will pursue. You can't ignore what you will place your comfort or your happiness on. We will place it somewhere. And the Bible is saying you place it in God. And he alone can satisfy. He alone is deserving that respect and that love. That we would even say, God, I find my, my joy and my happiness in you. And in you alone. That's the call here. It's one that is a blessing to us to attract God's people to himself. Murray says in connection with this, the Father wants to try and persuade you that there is true happiness to be found in God. Perhaps through hard times or suffering, you're even thinking of giving up. You think, where's this promised happiness? Where's this promised peace, this joy, this love that we hear so much about? You're thinking of turning your back on it. He says, I want to, to stop you and persuade you it's worth sticking with it. Persevere, hold on. There are great hopes and promises in this passage for you. I wonder how many of us begin this year that way. Where we're, we're at a, a, a place of, of rather of not happiness at all. We're, we're rather unhappy. 
where perhaps it's the, the husband and the father who's, who's working and, and is tired and is tired of working and is tired of his job and is at his wit's end with that. And, and here comes another year that he's marking, another year in this. Or perhaps it's a, a, a mom whose the, the, the trials of motherhood is just beating you down. And the simultaneous busyness as well as seeming trappedness in the home with the kids is just weighing on you. And, and, and you don't know what to do. You don't know that you can continue on with this. And you're wondering, why aren't I happy? Or it's the student who doesn't know where they're, they're heading, doesn't know where to go to college, doesn't know what the future holds. Or it's the single person who doesn't know what they're supposed to do. They want to get married and they can't. You see, in all these things, it, it, it takes away your joy. It takes away your happiness. And it is, they're legitimate trials. But what we should see here from Proverbs is that don't, don't pursue your happiness even in what a mother can receive from the joy of her kids. Certainly a mother should be thankful for that, to be thankful for their kids and, and pray for them. But, but your happiness is not on how your kids make you feel. And, and to the father who is working his, his hands to the bone and is tired, your, your happiness is not in, the, in what your wife gives to you or what your kids make you feel or what your job provides for you. Your happiness and your blessedness is in God himself. That's a, that's a hard pursuit, but you, still, you know what? That's a wise pursuit. You see the wisdom there? That's a whole other level of depth of wisdom. That's the knowledge of God's word, not just on an intellectual level, but it's straight in your heart. You're wise and you understand it. It isn't these things. These things are part of the, the ways we can praise God and, and, and worship and serve him through all these avenues and ways of life. But where is the center of your happiness and joy? God himself. Too often we struggle because we're seeking our end and our joy in something other than God. We're seeking it in a way that's, that's not wise. And we are supposed to redirect our pursuit. And that's what Proverbs 3 is saying. God wants us to be happy, truly happy. And he knows that the only way we can be blessed and happy perfectly is to find it in him and to find it specifically in him through Christ. There's no other way. Everything will prove vain. And that's what he's saying here in Proverbs. It takes fellowship. It takes a relationship with God to be blessed, to be happy. One commentator put it well, the quest for wisdom is inescapably a journey in the presence of God. The quest for wisdom is inescapably a journey in the presence of God. And we would say the same, the, the quest for blessedness the quest for a fulfilled life is inescapably one that's found in a quest for God himself, in a journey with him, in fellowship with him, and everyone and everything else will disappoint. As great as your spouse may be, or may not be, you won't find it there. And as great as your kids may or may not be, your happiness is not there. And, and as your health fluctuates, and at times you're healthy or at times you're not, your happiness cannot be in, there, in, in that either. It's to pursue God himself. Verse 13 tells us that the one is blessed who finds it or who gets it. 
Earlier in chapter 2, verse 6 of Proverbs, it shows that wisdom is a thing that God alone can give, but is simultaneously something we're called to pursue. That God will, wisdom can be found nowhere else unless God gives it, but he also will call us to pursue it because as he, he gives it, he's giving as well our pursuit of it. And there's that call, you must pursue God, you must pursue him, and you will gain wisdom, but it's only found in God's hand, and it's only at his grace that it's bestowed. And so seek it there. When I say to pursue happiness in 2024 and beyond, I mean to pursue the fear of the Lord only what he can give, but what he's also calling you to seek. And that's where an element of work on our part comes in, a pursuit of him, a knowledge in his word, a digging into the depths of who God is. What about wisdom's gain? What do we gain from wisdom? What does this text say? Verses 14 through 15 here show that we have wisdom and its value is beyond compare. And it, it starts out by comparing it to what's one of the chief competitors in the human heart for, for, for joy and blessing. Most people pursue wealth to achieve a blessed life. Most people pursue matter and creation and what that can give to them, but it can't provide it. Here we learn the truth. You see, what he's doing is he's not just comparing the value of wisdom versus the value of riches. Like silver and gold are here and wisdom's here. What's their value in relation to each other? There's a bit of that going on. But really what he's saying is look at their ability to provide and produce. What produces more? And it's unquestionably wisdom, the, the knowledge of God, a relationship with him, which is the fear of God. That's wisdom. It's that that produces far more than what riches can. Wisdom makes you a richer man than money ever will, is what he's saying. Don't find it. Don't pursue your happiness in wealth. Don't pursue it in things and matters and projects. They distract us. One of the biggest pitfalls to true happiness is worldly treasures. I think we're in a unique place in our, our day and our culture. We live in, in such a blessed culture. Even, even the poor among us know wealth beyond compare to many in the world and to what history has shown many to have had. We are swimming in blessedness, in riches in that worldly sense. But they just don't, they don't satisfy. They don't produce it. If they could, then the richest men in the world would be the most blessed, the most happy but they're not. I was talking to, to several brothers and sisters in Christ over the, the Christmas season where this was impressed upon them. You know, at Christmas time, you're not only giving gifts, but you're thinking of, of gifts to ask. People ask you for lists. What do you want? And they were saying that it was, it was really hard to even think of what to ask, you know? Yeah, many of you have probably experienced that as well. It's, it's not just the needs. It's, it's beyond that. It's not like we have all these needs that need to be met. We, we sometimes don't even know what we can ask that we want. And I think that we're in a unique place because God has, has blessed us to a point to, to, to show us in, in an exasperation that these things don't fulfill. These brothers and sisters I was talking to were saying that they realized they had been looking to the things of the world more for, for joy and happiness. And as they gained it, as you get the, the new TVs and as you get the new rooms and as, as you, you compile all these things, it doesn't satisfy. It's not the answer. It can't be. 
That's what Proverbs is saying. Silver and gold, they don't have it. They don't have blessedness. They don't have happiness. The way of happiness is the way to God. The answer is what God's word gives. It's, It's through Christ himself to God. We need this message because despite the wealth around us, I'm guessing we live in a very unhappy world and feel that unhappiness at times as well. And we need to redirect our pursuit. We all need to be reminded of this. We, we go out and we live our lives and, and we stray, we start slipping, we start slipping into the good things God gives us and think that's it. That, that's what's going to give us peace or joy. The reason we struggle as well to, to obey this command to rejoice in God can be because of trials we face that, that cloud our thinking, our own sinful nature in pursuit of sin. What we have to see is that our entire life is a, is a garden, a gardening project. And what Proverbs is telling us to do is to, to foster and nourish those plants that are the love for God, that is sanctification and holiness and righteousness, and grow these plants in your flower bed. But competing in that soil is plenty of our own weeds. And we're weeding it and weeding it and weeding it, and, and, and the roots are deep. And as you pull out one, you find that you didn't get all of it. And you need to learn a lesson again. Or you pull out one big weed, and, and isn't it the worst when there's five more weeds underneath the one you pulled and you didn't even know that they were there? Well, that's the sanctifying life. We, we're de-weeding, we're pulling out the weeds in this flower bed, even as we're seeking the wisdom of God and to draw near to Him. Wisdom's value is also seen in what it produces. Look at verse 16. In verse 16, wisdom personified as this lady, this whiz, wise woman, is personified in a way that's, that's a corrective to the other religions of that time. Pagan deities were often depicted holding in their hands wealth and life. That was often the way these, these gods and goddesses were depicted. And so here there's a correction that God is giving in Proverbs. And, and where is, is life, where is wealth, where are the riches of all things found? It's in wisdom's hands. The hands of Lady Wisdom. But notice... What do you see in her hands? Notice that the right hand, the hand of greater honor, greater blessing and importance, is a long life. Now, I think this is saying far more than that a wise person will live till they're 90. And that's the blessing. In holding life in her hand, what what Lady Wisdom holds in her right hand is eternal life. You see that even as the passage in verse 18 references a tree of life. It's far more, the, the long life offered by wisdom is not just that you'll have a long life on this earth, it's that you will have eternal life. And what's true life? What's the tree of life? It's fellowship with God himself. That's what's found in, in wisdom's right hand. Life with God. Life to the fullest. Long life. But it's a blessed life because you know what she has in her left hand. Treasures and riches. Now, we already saw in the, in the preceding verses that, that it's not the silver and gold of the world that is primarily in view. Even though following God will often yield earthly riches, will often yield long earthly life, that's part of it. It's not the full expression. It's spiritual, the blessings that God gives, the fruit of the Spirit, richness, happiness, happiness that can't be touched by the trials of life. Happiness that can make a saint who is imprisoned for the gospel say, I have Christ and what want I more? A blessed life in a prison. 
a blessed life in pain, happiness, joy in all of its respects. That's what Lady Wisdom offers. These riches then mean far more than all these things. Now briefly, in the last two verses of our text, 19 and 20, we see the God of Wisdom. So what's going on here? The father has been trying to promote wisdom to his son, to instruct and show him what to follow. And now what he's doing is he's showing God's use of wisdom itself. What is every business or marketer trying to do? They, they want to get someone to push their product. If you, get, if you link a celebrity to a product, it'll sell. If, if you can get a recommendation from that source, from that person, then you know that you can stand by it. It's verified. This person has put their name to it. Well, that's in one sense what he's doing here. He's saying, who, who's giving the support of wisdom? Who uses wisdom? God. And what's been produced through wisdom? Creation itself. You see what wisdom can produce. You see who uses it. And that's supposed to entice us here as well. If wisdom's good enough for God, and he created the world through it, you better believe that you should be pursuing it and using it too. This is a product, if we can use that marketing illustration, this is a product you take, you buy, you use. That's what he's showing. Wisdom was used by God to establish the earth. This isn't the only place where we read such things. Proverbs 8 will say that. We read in John 1, 1 that the Word was with God, the Word was God, it was in the beginning with God. The whole world was created through the Word, through wisdom. Lying at the center of creation itself is order, is design, is the wisdom of God. He's used it to create life itself. That's what's in wisdom. Wisdom is the heart of creation. The world adopts in an act of faith greater than almost anything you can imagine, the opposite belief. And they will say and attribute to the creation of all things, not intelligence, not design, not order, but chance. And what the Bible is saying here is, it is by God's wisdom itself that the world began and, 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 and created it. And then you see him use the illustration of water. Water is a great illustration of that. We need water for life, but water has unique properties that if it didn't behave in the way it does, life couldn't exist. It needs to exist as a liquid, as a gas, and as a, as a solid. And as it freezes as a solid, if it, were, if it were denser than water, as in its liquid form, it would sink to the bottom, and, and lakes and oceans and everything would freeze, and, and life that depends on it would die. But, but we, have to, we have to have it properly bonded and be able to drink it, Otherwise, life couldn't exist, so we have it in a liquid form as well. But, but if it were only in a liquid form, then the whole cycle would fall apart because we need it to be a gas as well, and we need it to evaporate. We need it to water the earth. We need it to complete this cycle. So why did we all of a sudden divert into this, this conversation about creation and wisdom and, and, and water? Look at what's at the center of creation itself. Look at what God has done in wisdom, and you see the whole point be enticed by it. See its value, see its use. God created the world through it. It's orderly. If the wisdom and understanding of God are good enough for him to create a perfect world that though now bears the, the effects of a curse, we still see the wisdom at the, at the center of it. And the design at it, if it's good enough for him, we better take that recommendation. Now, the truth poetically put here, be enticed by wisdom, is another way of saying be enticed by God. 
Wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Wisdom is walking in Him. It's, it's putting before you the beauty of who God is and saying, pursue that. Young people here, you're a special, a special mark of Proverbs. It's, it's written in that way, a, a book that's giving direction to the, the young man, to the son, to the young people of Israel. Where are you going to set your pursuit in life? What are you going to opt for? What are you going to look for? Is it wisdom in God? Is it the fear of Him? Now that's the key to a blessed life. One that knows the Lord and fulfillment in Him and His love. You can't have access to any of these blessings of God without seeking Him. You can't just take the principles of life and, and, and Proverbs and say, oh, if I live that way, I'll be blessed doesn't work that way. You, the principles come with a relationship, come with a fellowship with God himself. And, and that's really what the first chapters of Proverbs is trying to show. There's a relationship between wise actions and the God who created them. And you can't have one without the other, truly. The precise way in which we follow this path is the eternal word, Jesus Christ himself. Pursuing the wise, happy, blessed life of God is to pursue God through his Son and by his Spirit. And so I charge us all again, even as Proverbs is, pursue happiness in 2024 and beyond. Pursue happiness. Pursue it rightly. Seek to know God. Seek to live for him, to rely on him. And you will know the blessed fruit of wisdom. What is the ultimate blessed fruit? Of wisdom. It's, it's not the easy life. It's not worldly riches. As much as God might add that to you, it's knowing Him. It's fellowship with Him. That is wisdom. That's happiness. Pursue that every day of your life. Find your happiness in Him. Amen. Let's pray. God, we come before you with a simple request. The simple request is that charge we've thought of this evening. Let us be happy in you. Let us be fulfilled, comforted, at peace in you. May we find our great joy in giving you glory. May our very purpose be to glorify you by enjoying you forever. We thank you that you are not against our happiness. You are for our happiness, which is why you sent your Son. Because in him, in you, we can know true happiness, which is to know you personally. We pray that we would seek that and seek you every day of our life. Bless that, we pray in your name.